What's up, Llama listeners? Joe here, and I'm excited to announce our partnership with Blazing Star Barbecue. Blazing Star Barbecue is a veteran-owned business owned and operated by Mike Starr, a veteran of over 20 years of military service and a fantastic member of the Llama family. Through his amazing rubs and sauces, Mike is devoted to bringing unique flavors from his world travels to your backyard. And I got to tell you, I love me some Blazing Star Barbecue, especially the Reaper and brand new Scorpion rubs. I absolutely put them on everything, and they pretty much have rendered the rest of my spice cabinet obsolete. Check them out at BlazingStarBarbecue.com and Blazing Star Barbecue on all social media platforms and get your sauces and rubs today. We promise you won't be disappointed. Hey everyone, this is Trip Bodenheimer, host of the Shadows Podcast. Each and every one of us has a shadow. We understand that our shadows are products of our upbringing and obstacles we face. So tune in to hear our guests discuss every week how they turn their trials and tribulations into triumphs and success stories. They embrace their shadows. And that's exactly what we do here at The Shadows. We face them head on. We have a diverse group of guests ranging from athletes, military members, actors, actresses, authors, and entrepreneurs, and just regular everyday people. Head over to theshadowspodcast.com for all new episodes. Episodes drop every Thursday. Maybe saying to yourself, I don't have a story, but you're wrong. Everybody's got a story to tell at the Shadows Podcast, proud member of the Lame and Charlie Network. The Llama Lounge is a proud member of the Lima Charlie Network. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I have the honor of welcoming today's guest to the lounge, Jason Earl. Jason is an entrepreneur and an expert on air quality and is the founder and CEO of 1-800-GOT-MOLD and MycoLab USA. He has been featured on Good Morning America, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, The Dr. Oz Show, Entrepreneur, Wired, and much, much more. Welcome to the lounge, Jason. How are you? Hi, Joe. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm really grateful that you you made some time to come on the show and talk because, man, I, I've heard you on um, the Shadows podcast run by Trip Bodenheimer, one of my brothers and part of the Lima Charlie Network with uh, us and a bunch of other podcast shows. And, and I just was so fascinated by your story and your energy, man. So I'm so happy for you to be here. No, it's good to be here. Thank you. So, hey, before we get started in some of this, you know, I want I want to hear your story because I think that your story is so amazing and I know our audience will love it too. But we start off the show on a positive note. What is the best thing that has happened to you so far this week? Oh, man, it was a busy week. A lot, a lot of good stuff happened. Um, I have to say that probably the best thing that happened, uh, it's very personal. It's my, my little boy. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh. And my, my one-year-old, 
uh, was born C-section and, and my wife had antibiotics during her pregnancy, which made me very concerned. And so he was born essentially without a microbiome. So he was mm. born with deficiencies in his, in his gut health wow. and, uh, and it reflects in his skin and he's constantly itchy and he's got some significant allergies, a lot like how I grew up. Um, and mm. that was my main concern. I didn't want to do a repeat on that. And, um, through a series of experiments, we have, uh, and he's just been covered with eczema and it's just been really uh, uh, quite a, a challenging situation for, for us and for him, of course, uh, more so for him, but it's a burden on the household emotionally and otherwise. And, um, and we have, we have since uh, landed on um, a, a series of steps that have uh, alleviated this and it all manifested this week. So my, my, my little boy is clear skin. He's not wow. itchy. Um, it's, it's enough to, to, to get me all misty eyed actually. It's beautiful. Wow. That's amazing, man. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. My, my nephew, a lot of the same issues, um, had a lot of uh, medical issues right when he was born, you know, and yeah, same thing, eczema all over his skin. So yeah, grateful that your 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 boy got to, you know, get some clear skin and you see like, like a light at the end of the tunnel with that. And you know, the microbiome thing, I don't think most people, I, I think most people take that for granted, right? They don't realize how important that is. Uh, what, what have you learned about that so far through this process or what have you already known, you know? Well, you know, uh, that's a whole, probably a whole podcast on that alone <laughs> because, you know, I, I tend to dive deep on these things and being in the, considered an expert in the area of microbial mm. uh, environments, I basically specialize in the microbiome of the home. If you think about mm -hmm. it, um, and and the way I think about it is kind of like nesting ecologies. So, uh, like the Matryoshka, Russian Matryoshka dolls that mm. that that, that collapse, you know, that, that, yep. that within each other. Um, you know, your home has a microbiome. The outside of the the world has a microbiome. Every surface really has a microbiome. Um, and then within each, you know, it, it, within each one of those subsets, we have our own internal and external one. And then even the microbes, believe it or not, have their own microbiome. They have mm. viromes, uh, and mm. so the, you know, it's like, you know, as above, so below. Uh, and, uh, and so whether you go microscopic or telescopic, you know, there's, there's these nesting ecologies is the way I like to think about it. Um, and, uh, actually for anyone who's interested in this subject, I, I read a, a fascinating book called I Contained Multitudes by Ed Young, who's mm -hmm. just an amazing science writer, uh, won a Pulitzer prize for a piece he did on COVID, uh, about a year and a half ago. And, um, and, and, and that just blew the top off of my head. I couldn't believe the awareness that that gave me about the power of our microbes. Um, you know, in our gut, our, our gut microbiome consists of more microbes than there are stars in our galaxy. Hmm. Wow. And, uh, and, and in fact, uh, uh, your brain and the microbes in your gut, they call it the gut brain because of the relationship, it, the gut, the microbiome and microbiota, uh, within the gut actually sends signals up to the brain. Uh, and so when people have a bad gut feeling, that's a, that's a literal thing. Um, many of your neurotransmitters, serotonin, which most people are familiar with as well as GABA, which is the one that's, uh, that's, um, that's functional when you're dealing with alcohol and benzodiazepines are produced by microbes in the gut. So are your B vitamins. Um, so, uh, in fact, uh, you know, without that, you'd be uh, mice that are, that are, 
that are raised in an environment without a microbiome show signs of autism. Uh, they have developmental disorders, and then they do fecal transplants from healthy mice into them, and they then they they become restored to normal conditions. They lose their autism. They lose. In fact, you can transfer, believe it or not, obesity, and you can transfer thinness wow. between just with a fecal transplant. So, I mean, there's a this is a rabbit hole you can go way way down, uh, but it's fascinating stuff, and it is true. We do, we do we we we've gotten so far away from our connection to the earth. Human comes from the word humus, which is earth. Um, and, and we are so disconnected from that. Uh, but that's where most of those microbes live. And, you know, the further we get from that and the more sanitizers we use and antibiotics, which are essentially weapons of mass destruction, uh, the more we lose our innate microbiome and it's showing up in all sorts of autoimmune diseases and asthma and all these things. So it's a, it's, it's an area of fascinating, uh, it's, 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 it's incredible how little we know, but it's also incredible how much we've learned in the last few years. And it's exciting to see that because I think the awareness is growing and we're starting to realize that we shouldn't be killing stuff around us for us to survive. We need to start mm -hmm. lear learning that we are essentially microbiome. We are, we are a holobiont. We are a superorganism. We are microbial. In fact, they, they estimate now that we're about 36 trillion, 38 trillion human cells and about 36 trillion microbial cells. So wow. we're, we're almost 50-50 microbial. Mm. And why are we using antimicrobials if yeah. we're in fact microbial, right? So, huh. um, and only about a hundred of these bacteria are known to cause uh, human disease, which is really pretty fascinating, but yet we're willing to kill all of them. Um, yeah. and, and, and oftentimes we're killing the ones that are benevolent, that are protecting us from the dangerous one. So anyway, you asked. And so I, I can keep going down that, no, that road. Uh, no, it's fascinating man. stuff. It really truly is. Yeah. I think that's just amazing. The way you described it, it was funny. I was just talking to a buddy of mine on his podcast about fitness and, um, and, and I, you know, I, I put the disclaimer, I'm a brilliant idiot when it comes to stuff. I know there's a connection <laughs> and I try to be very, uh, uh, like deliberate about making sure that I try to take care of my gut biome through the minimal, like just a little bit I know about it, you know, but what you just described, I think if anybody doesn't like try to look more into it because of how important it is, um, they're probably missing out. So I really appreciate you throwing in that. And we might need to have you back on here just to talk about it one more time. I, I would love it. I would love it. I mean, it really is. I, I think it's an area that I think more people should know about because it has a direct correlation on longevity, quality of life, mm -hmm. um, especially with children, especially with children in the first thousand days. So anyone who's got babies really being, you know, digging into that, I think is, is a, is a really good investment in, uh, in time and energy. And again, I would recommend, I, I highly recommend I contain multitudes by Ed Young. Yeah, we're definitely going to add that book to the um, to the show notes for sure. Man, Jason, just this conversation's already started off <laughs> solid, man. <laughs> so, man, before we get more into some deep things, uh, let's get into the first deep thing, which is going to be your story, man. We've learned at the Llama Lounge that we can glean so much wisdom off of the experiences of others, you know. Uh, so, I, first, you know, first big question, right, is how did Jason Earl become the man he is today? Oh boy. Uh, the, 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 the work in progress that I am, mm -hmm. um, I think maybe it's by recognizing that, you know, yeah. um, I think, uh, I was very fortunate to have, um, some early, uh, disasters in my life. Um, I think mm -hmm. that that was, uh, the greatest gift. Truly. My mother committed suicide when I was 14, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, wow. for example, um, and, and, and my parents were both alcoholics also what a gift. Um, and, and, and I say that without, without, uh, qualification, but I should qualify it. You know, I would do anything to get my mom back even for just a hug. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to rewrite that history um, because early in life I saw that 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 experience reframed my view of the world mm. in such a way that I questioned her decision, even though at the time before, before that I was miserable. I was a very unhappy teenager because of my childhood circumstances and because of because because I was going through puberty. And, you know, that's just the way teenage teenage angst is, is a real thing. I don't think anybody escapes it. Um, and and what that what accelerated my escape from the angst, though, was, in fact, my mother's suicide because I, I started asking questions. And the questions were, you know, like, whose life is this? And is this something that you could, could or should just give away? Um, and what perspective did she have? And maybe had she lost perspective? And, you know, I often say that she couldn't see past the tip of her nose. Uh, she was so embroiled in her own drama. And I now I now know that, you know, the home environment, including the mold in the house, uh, may have contributed to her, her, her early demise. Mm-hmm. Um, but because there is a, a link, according to Brown University, between mold and dampness indoors and depression. And then there's subsequent studies, which, which I can elaborate upon more, where they've studied fruit flies and found that they actually stopped producing dopamine when exposed to the musty odor that's wow. produced by mold. So so now I look back in retrospect and stuff makes a lot more sense. But mm. but as a teenager, I, I struggled with you know the existential stuff that I think most, most, most teenagers do. But then that experience uh, sort of opened up my mind to... Uh, the bigger questions. And also at the same time, I was, I was experimenting with psychedelics and that was, um, that also had me question a lot of reality, right? Mm. Um, it questions you, you, that's the first thing you do in that situation is you question reality. So, um, so essentially I had that, that what people, many people will call a, a misfortune that I look now at as, as a, as a foundational aspect of who I am. And then I was fortunate enough in following their after they get Lyme disease, which also sent me on a different trajectory that turns mm. out to be hugely beneficial in the long run. Uh, taught me about food because my gut, my microbiome got whacked out from the antibiotics. And so I started learning about what, what was healthy and what was not healthy for me, but also in the larger picture. So I got an education on food early. And then I also, you know, was essentially forced to drop out of high school, uh, which uh, because I lived in so much school due to my mom's death and Lyme disease, uh, that I ended up, uh, you know, taking a job at the gas station down the street mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, 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 saving money to get my GED and start college year early where I met a guy who I fixed to fix his tire and we start up a conversation and he recruited me to come work for him on wall street. Um, and, and that would not have happened had a, my mother not done what she had done and B had I not had Lyme disease and missed all that school. Um, and then from there, what I, what I, what I'm most grateful for about that experience was that I got, uh, I had mentors Mm. Um, and I, I was exposed to people who thought differently. I was raised by people who were willing to trade their time for money. Uh, and the people that I was working for were not in the business of trading time for money. They were, they were, they were interested in opportunities. Mm. Um, they were interested in, in leveraging their, their, their talents and skills in ways that went beyond the hourly wage. Um, and, uh, and then by that, by, by, by virtue of that, I also saw what they were doing incorrectly. Uh, in terms of ethics and morals, Wall Street, come on, you know, mm-hmm, right. um, and and so that taught me at a very early age. You know, I started when I was 16. I got my license when I was 17, which um, my stockbroker's license, which unknowingly made me the youngest licensed stockbroker in history. Um, 
with a Guinness World Record, but the uh, that and a dollar fifty will buy a half a slice of pizza in New York City these days. But, <laughs> um, but 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 I but at a, again at a very young age, I saw you know I started questioning ethics, and I saw the guys who were making a lot of money weren't the happiest, and uh, so all of these things, and I failed badly. I mean, I, I ended up having you know uh, lots of fits and starts, and I made a lot of money, but I also I also gave it away, and I developed some bad habits, and all of those things. I I I was fortunate enough to have the perspective that that I'm a work in progress. And I am uh, here to learn. And the purpose of life is to grow and evolve and to to understand. For example, as a stockbroker, I had to make 400 phone calls a day to mm-hmm. make one sale. One sale, that means if you do the math, one out of 400, that's a 99.75% failure rate. Mm-hmm. And that was how you became successful. Yeah. If you, you were successful, if you had a quarter of a percent success, but you did that every day, see? That's yeah. a very interesting mindset. It's a total flip. It's It's... Just the consistency of doing something where over time it's cumulative and then you develop that skill. So, and then, and you know, ultimately all of those things on a cumulative basis have formed me um, into the, 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 the person that I am today. Man, I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack there, but you know, the big thing that I took out that fortunate disasters, right? And I think a lot of people that go through the circumstances you went through, and we didn't go in depth, but you had a lot of health issues grow, growing up, right? And and then, of course, just the tragedies that you've experienced with your mother and, and all of that stuff through your career. So many people will face just a fraction of that and be done, right? I mean, they'll mail it in. They'll stay at the gas station forever, even if that person comes by. They'll they'll shy away from that. And I know you talked about some of the um, psychedelics that you that you used early on that potentially helped you get through all of that. But it, was that all it? I mean, was that it? It's just the psychedelics happened to open up uh, your eyes a little bit more? Or was there more to it, you think, when you reflect back on that? Well, I, 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 again, you know, another, another, um, you know, fortunate disaster was just my, the overall sort of environment in my home. Um, as I, as I mentioned on many podcasts, you know, I was kind of raised by wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents weren't around. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 and I, you know, I, I think that that sort of benign neglect, mm-hmm. uh, helped me to, um, become independent. Mm. Uh, and self-sufficient and ask questions and figure stuff out. You know, I'm afraid sometimes I over-parent that I, I, I'm, Mm. I'm too good of a parent maybe, (laughs) you know? Um, and ultimately I think that, you know, you can, these things have a funny way of, of, um, turning inside out on themselves, you know, all the, so my, my parents, I think gave me again, a great gift by, by sort of letting me just, figure stuff out, you know, go yeah. run around in the woods. Um, so yeah. I, and I also, you know, I, I did a lot of, um, my father's very curious. Um, and, and he taught me to be very curious, uh, and to ask questions and to question authority, including him, uh, which is, which is interesting. But mm-hmm. I, um, but I do think that, uh, and that's kind of a family value, I think, mm. you know, yeah. uh, is to, is to question, authority and question, uh, reality. And, um, and that, that has never gone away. So I think then, then you combine that with psychedelics and you combine that with challenging circumstances where you, you kind of end up in a, de- a cornered, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, limited options, constraints, um, constraints produce creativity, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, uh, 
Yeah. And I, and I also think that, that, um, uh, I was fortunate enough to have had, even though I, there was this benign neglect, I feel, I felt like I don't feel like I was ever starved of love, mm. which is also interesting as much as it may not have yeah. been the, the most gentle environment. Um, I always knew I was loved. Hmm. And I think that, you know, in terms of the foundational aspects of the things that my parents did right, um, that's one of them, you know, yeah. uh, they may not have been around, but, but I never felt like I was, um, alone. You know, that, so that's something that you and I have in common. We're both Lashki children. Right. And I, and I often like, uh, go back to that. And what I gleaned from that was that independence also, and I'm not afraid to be alone. I love being with people, right? But I'm not also afraid to be alone and being able to kind of deal with things and, and go through that. So I think there's a lot of um, value in that that kind of upbringing. But I, you know, I think you have to like intentionally look for it, right? Because you could easily be like, man, <laughs> woe is me. <laughs> All, you know, everything sucked. I didn't get the childhood that I see on TV, right? Which nobody really does, right? And, yeah. and, and then and kind of just fell into this downward spiral where you, you went the other direction. But not to say that you didn't keep on running into walls throughout. I mean, you went from dropout to work at a gas station. And then you had an up to go to the Wall Street thing, but then you described it even as kind of like the boiler room, right? <laughs> like that, that, which was one of my favorite movies, but <laughs> it was totally the boiler room. It was Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. 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 What was that experience like as a young kid experiencing that, you know, just seeing the, uh, the unethical uh, things going on around you? You know, it, it was uh, very intoxicating. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I was working with kids. I was, you know, 16, 17 when I, when I, when I, uh, 16, when I started and I was working with kids that were in their twenties. Of course, when you're that young, you know, just a couple of years older is, is really old, right? Like in high school, mm -hmm. like just, you know, like the, the, if you're a freshman, the seniors are so old. Mm -hmm. Um, and so here I was working with these, these kids that were 21, 22, and they were making in some cases like half a million a month. Wow. Um, you know, buying Ferraris over the phone at lunchtime you know, having them delivered on a flatbed huh. craziness. Right. And the, yeah. the, the kind of like, just, just really obscene over the top, um, behaviors and misbehaviors, all the stuff that you saw on Wolf of wall street, but a lot grittier, you know, mm. that was very glamorized. Um, but, but the extremes were, were not exaggerated. And, uh, and, and I, and I also didn't really know what was wall street and what was like this in particular firm. Uh, this particular firm was an anomaly. Um, it was kind of like Stratton Oakmont of, of, of that of that film. It's called Hanover Sterling, uh, and it went down in flames of glory, uh, notoriety, I should say, uh, the same way Stratton did. And it mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, those guys all went to jail. I was there only for a brief period of time. I saw behind the curtain, was able to leave before uh, before um, before I got. And that and and one of the things that I learned was these guys were all kind of stuck in this with golden handcuffs. They were making so much money and they had kids in school and big houses and, you know, and they, they had to stick around because they had this big lifestyle. And I had the clarity because I didn't have a big lifestyle mm. to, to recognize that this, this was not going to last mm -hmm. uh, and that it was a dangerous place. And, uh, but it was, it was, it was an incredible way to learn about the way the stock market works, which is just an, a tool, uh, just an emotional voting machine. Mm -hmm. um, and so you learn a lot about people by watching the stock market because the stock markets act a lot like emotional people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it was just another beautiful thing to study 
uh, and to observe and then also interfacing with people that were much more successful than me and seeing what made them successful and what was it that made them not successful. see people fail to see the same kinds of patterns uh, emerge within human behavior with wow. people I worked with, also with investors. You know, there's just so much there to to learn as a curious person uh, and then hopefully be able to glean some insights and then apply to my life, which I've been able to do with some some degree of success. Um, but I got like I got like a Ph.D. in persistence out of that mm, also because nice. you just had to sit and make 400 calls a day but also uh you know to rec- to see how capitalism really works mm. how businesses form uh how ideas b- turn into 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 products how products turn into companies how companies get bought and sold you know i was learning all that when i was you know my, my friends were still in high school um and so again you know the gifts that i got in terms of those those you know fortunate disasters all landed me in this place where I was getting a PhD while my friends were, were, were still drinking beer in their parents' basement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's a wild to be, a, to experience that at a young age and still be able to see like, Oh, this isn't going to go. Well. I need to step out. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, most of us would be like, man, how do I keep on uh, getting those Ferraris or how do I keep doing whatever, you know, they fall right into that trap and, and you're, you had some level of discipline and restraint there, which is, pretty unheard of like <laughs> i think that that's pretty amazing just you hearing that part of your story well i'll tell you I, the, when i as we bring as we talk about this some some things come back up mm-hmm. and one of them was that i had um my, my again my parents were alcoholic and i um and i had uh started drinking when i was young too mm-hmm. uh and then when i was about 13 took a friend to a party we got booze through my my neighbor i brought it he got very sick uh, almost died and ended up in the hospital. And I decided to quit drinking when I was 13. That's how early I started. Wow. Uh, and then I went to work on wall street and I, um, and I was able to maintain my, keep my wits about me, uh, for the most part. So I had this, uh, really significant clarity mm. and my intuition was extremely powerful. Uh, mm. and I, and I, and I was in tune with my, that quiet voice, uh, that so many of us, uh, intentionally silence or ignore or anesthetize. Um, and as a result, I could, I could act on my, on my, on those impulses, but they weren't impulses. I could act on that quiet voice in a way because I had learned to trust it and, and I didn't have any impedance. There was nothing in the way. Um, and years later, I, I started drinking again and, and started a 20 year wrestling match. I, I quit drinking again four and a half years ago. Uh-huh. And again, you know, uh, I'd followed, I'd followed a path and then I went off of it and I, and I stopped listening to that quiet voice. Um, and it took me 20 years to, mm-hmm. to, to truly get back to that level of clarity. And again, I would even look back at that, at my own alcoholism because that's the, that's the reality of it. Um, and, and I would say that that was, that's up there with my mother's suicide in terms of the gifts that I've been given really. Mm. Man. So, you know, when I hear this clarity that you, that you had at an early age, sometimes people would look at it as like, um, just a masterclass in risk management. Cause you're looking through, right. You're kind of seeing it. You're like, this is not something I don't take a risk on, but then later you become an entrepreneur. Can you fill the gaps between that? Because one of the things I found super interesting was, okay, you dropped out, dude, shows up at the gas station, right? You know, you end up um, going to Wall Street and 
there's a there's a portion of there where I didn't even talk about during your intro. You went from a high school dropout to being featured in college textbooks now, right? Like, like I feel like there's such a gap there. Like, how did you go from because there's risk that comes with going to become an entrepreneur? A lot of people would say that, you know, there might have been some um uh, uh, hesitant to risk when you're like, oh, I'm, I don't want to stay in this game no more, but you're actually looking at stuff and you're saying there's wisdom there instead, you know? So that's why I say it's risk management. How did you get to that next step where you start becoming an entrepreneur? Well, so, you know, I truncated a bunch of stuff there, yeah. but so, so wall street, 16, 16 years old, uh, license is 17. And then I, uh, I did that until I was about 25. And when I was 23, 22 and a half or so, um, I decided, uh, I actually took a job working for, uh, Mario Gabelli. Uh, I met him in a parking garage, believe it mm-hmm. or not. Mario Gabelli is a self-made billionaire fund manager, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, quite a character, but, uh, he recruited me out of a parking garage. I do pretty well in those apparently. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I went to go work for him and that didn't work out well. It wasn't really, it wasn't, it was just not a good fit. It was institutional sales and it was just a little sleepy. And so I left and I decided I wasn't going to work for anyone else anymore. And I opened up uh, the branch office of Coleman and Company, which is an investment bank, a year old investment bank. Um, and uh, so I opened up what they call an OSJ, an office is essentially a franchise or um, a division. So I, I opened up the Wall Street branch, which I owned and operated um, uh, for a couple of years. And then when the dot-com bubble burst and and uh, and everything came unwound, that firm went out of business, which essentially froze all my accounts. And I decided this wasn't fun anymore. Mm. And I decided to go uh, on walkabout. And, uh, while I was away, I was, uh, uh, I was, uh, this is right after September 11th. I, I actually quit a month before September 11th. I started on wall street a month after the first bombing in 93 and I quit mm-hmm. after September 11th, wow. uh, a month before September 11th. It was just bookends. It was, uh, um, it's just, you know, incredible timing. And so I, I, I went traveling and while I was away, I was in Hawaii. Um, and I was reading a lot of local newspapers and, uh, by the way, during my travels, the purpose of my travel was to figure out what I really wanted to do when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd given back all, all the money I'd made, um, and uh, which was good because I kind of felt like it had, you know, it was kind of dirty. You know, I just yeah. didn't really the Wall Street money was you know, easy come, easy go, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, uh, I I had gone to re reconnect with that quiet voice, to reconnect with a sense of purpose, and my mom's voice echoed in my mind. She always had me volunteer uh, as early as she could get me to do it at the hospital where she was an administrator when I was a kid. And uh, it was a, a rehab facility for for uh, people with with uh, uh, brain trauma and amputations and stuff like that. So you saw some pretty, pretty sad cases and also some very inspiring ones. And uh, and I worked in various different uh, areas of you know dietary. So I would deliver food up to the floors and purchasing. So I got to see people up close and personal and, and hear their stories and stuff. And she always encouraged me, even to her, you know, she 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 didn't live this way fully. She gave herself to a fault, but she said, you know, if you improve the quality of other people's lives, the quality of your life improves. It's a natural mm-hmm. law, you know. Mm-hmm. So contrib- contribution to the greater good was it was a major tenet of 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 uh, a, a philosophical tenet that she that she pushed on me. And, um, and so while I was traveling, I was thinking about this and I, when I was in Hawaii, I was reading a lot of the local newspapers and one particular story jumped out. Uh, it was about a guy who'd gotten sick from the hotel where he was an employee, mm. um, is the Hilton in Waikiki village. Anybody's mm. ever been to Honolulu, mm-hmm. Waikiki village is prominent 
right there. And uh, there's this Kalia Tower, which is one of the, it's like their flagship property on Oahu. And it had been shut down for mold uh, when I was there for about six months. Hmm. And this story was about a guy who worked there and got sick and had developed adult onset asthma, as well as uh, all, all sorts of sensitivities to foods and, and environmental stuff. And 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 I had a deja vu moment. Uh, it, you know, it was like a, it was incredible because when I was, when I was uh, about four years old, I suddenly lost 30% of my body weight in a three week period. And I was having difficulty breathing. And my parents took me to the pediatrician who said, no, you need to take him to the hospital, take him to the children's hospital. And because uh, they're, they're renowned for, it's a renowned respiratory clinic. And so when they brought me there, uh, based on symptoms and my, my family history, they diagnosed me with cystic fibrosis. Wow which um, was a death sentence back then and also mm -hmm. devastating to my father. Their biggest nightmare, the biggest fear was that that, that that was going to be true because my dad had lost four of his cousins to uh, CF before the age of 14. So uh, so they they waited six weeks for a second opinion. They, they say they cried for six weeks. Mm. Uh, and then uh, they, they uh, brought me in and they concluded that I did not have cystic fibrosis. Evidenced by the fact that I sit here with you at 46 years old, yeah. Um, but but I had asthma compounded by pneumonia, and I was allergic to every single thing that they tested me for. So one of my early memories actually was that the the allergy tests they put you in a, a straight jacket for a toddler, and they put you know the grid on your back and do these antigen tests, these little skin tests. And my dad said I look like a ladybug, which is a mm. big red swollen back with lots of dots all over it. And uh, and so I essentially lived on inhalers uh, most of my childhood because I was I was raised on a little not working little hobby farm surrounded by all the allergens, you know, in high concentration. But my folks split up and then my mom died. And so I moved out of the house and never went back. And by the way, when I moved out of the house and never went back, I never picked up an inhaler ever again. Mm. All of my symptoms went away. Uh, and to this day, I do not test positive for any allergy. Uh, and and the, the this this uh, this is, you know, something called spontaneous remission. Uh, that some people, you know, experience with cancers and things like that happens with, with asthma, with, uh, uh, adolescence as well. And that's what they chalked it up to. It was just that my grandfather had grown out his asthma and I grew out of mine. But here I am in Hawaii reading this story and seeing this guy had developed sort of like, it was the, kind of like, the, you know, he, he did this on the opposite end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. but it, it, it immediately made me think, geez, I wonder if we had a mold problem. Hmm. And I asked, I called my dad from a payphone, which uh, probably isn't there anymore, and asked him if, if he thought we had mold. And he laughed at me. He said, "Of course, we had mushrooms in the basement. You know, why? Why do you ask?" I told him what was going on, and I asked him if he thought, if he thought mold would have been an issue. And he said, "Well, it certainly couldn't have helped." You know. And so, anyway, the bottom line is that I immediately, in that moment, had sort of a white light experience where I immediately became fascinated with this idea, not of mold per se, but of how the buildings that we live and work in impact our health. Mm -hmm. And so it filled me up with a sense of curiosity, the, the curiosity that was already kind of innate, but with a sense of purpose too, because the more I looked into to it online, the more I saw that people weren't really talking about this. Mm -hmm. And and yet we all live in buildings. We all breathe air, right? Yeah. Like this is, and so so the, it just, it just really, um, it was one of those things that I went out on this journey with the purpose of being open um, and then happened to be relaxing, just being rece receiving, if you will. Um, and then all of the, the like the puzzle piece just fell out of the sky and landed and completed this picture that was not a picture of where I was more of a map <laughs> of mm. a journey that I was just going to begin. And, and I had no idea that it was going to turn into uh, what it's turned into, quite frankly. Um, 
you know, the idea that it would be, you know, that I'd be doing this for 20 years is something that I, I, I think now in retrospect, I would never have imagined, but I also can't imagine doing anything else at this point because it's, it seems like the culmination of all of the things that I've ever worked on, you know, all in terms of myself, in terms of my family history. Um, you know, it's, it, I kind of feel like it's like mining your history for your future gold. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I think everybody's got something that something they've overcome, which if you can find a way to uh, to codify that and then share what you've learned with other people that are going through it, you have a business uh, potentially. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because that experience is so valuable. Right. Yeah. And it's something that you can't really you can't manufacture. It has to come from a place of authenticity. Um, and and I think that that's um, I think when it comes down to. Um, how do you bridge the gap between and take that risk? Um, you have to be willing to do something where the why is so big mm. that any obstacle you have to overcome on the way to achieving it is minor. If, if you're going to just do a business because you want to make money or because you don't want to work for the man or that kind of thing, it won't get you through. Mm. It won't get you through the hard times. The thing that gets you through is the why. Uh, I've been broke so many times. Um, I've I've been rich and I've been broke, and and I'm and I'm willing to deal with uh, the adversity and the difficulties that come with uh, those kinds of risks because uh, because the why, mm -hmm. um, the why is what gets you through. Yeah, I mean, well, you just like just hearing you talk about that reminded me of that that um, that Japanese philosophy, the ikigai. I don't know if you've seen that before. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like like you just pretty much like described it without describing it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's really cool that that um, that you got to experience that. And, and I think that takes a lot of you know self reflection, of course, and digging back and intentionality. And I think it's it's pretty awesome you got there. But you know, a question I still have is how do you go from you know, like becoming this, like when I heard you talk about the gut biome just a moment ago, like you went deep <laughs> and, and I know, you know, so much about mold and air quality and all these things. So did you go to school for that? Like after, <laughs> after all this, or is it all, like, well, how did you get to this point right now? Because dude, you're, you're like a, a brilliant when it comes to this. Well, thanks for saying so. Uh, you know, I, I, I read a lot. Mm. Um, and I also reach out to people and always have, uh, before the internet was really, you know, was as robust as it is now. Uh, I would reach out to academics that, that, uh, that were thrilled to talk to you about mold because mm. no one wants it. They, their wife doesn't want to hear about it. Their <laughs> husband doesn't want to hear about it. You know, so I would reach out to people to talk to them about these, these subjects. And I have friends, close friends that are really prominent researchers in this space that I've been friends with for 20 years now because of those initial calls uh, mm -hmm. and we've kept in touch. And and I, and it really does come down to curiosity. You know, I've got building science, man. I had building science manuals in my bathroom for bathroom wow. reading and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, it, and again, that comes back down to the why, mm -hmm. uh, because you know, especially in this space, you know, like the, the mold, mold and, and, and indoor air quality is truly a multidisciplinary field. Mm -hmm. You have to understand construction. I was kind of raised in a construction family and a healthcare family. So I, I really, I, I was born for this in many yeah. ways. Um, and, and so I understand how buildings are put together. I understand how to take them apart. I used to do a lot of demo with my uncle, uh, who owned a contracting company when I was a kid. Um, mostly shoveling up the, the drywall and the plaster, but uh, but I understood how I was learning how these things are put together, 
and then uh and 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 at the uh and then of course you know there's the biology side of things and material sciences and then there's you know then there's the physics associated with how moisture and and these things move through buildings so you know i i i'm a true autodidact in the mm-hmm. sense that i don't i've never gone to school for mm-hmm. anything um in fact, Mark Twain's quote really resonates with me, which is, I never let my uh, schooling get in the way of my education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I find that if you've got that curiosity and a passion for something, if the outcome that you're seeking, which is, you know, for me, it was to, to understand this so that I could help people navigate it, um, the... When you, the learning, I was, I'm actually probably learning disabled, to be honest with you. I have a difficult time. I had a really hard time with my stockbroker's license. Mm. Uh, I would become overwhelmed and have to sleep after like 15 minutes of studying. It was just really, I'm not a, I'm not a guy who, uh, some concepts really bogged me down. I, I failed algebra one. And then two years later, I was a stockbroker, you know, so mm. go figure. <laughs> um, but, you know, because there was an outcome there that was very compelling to me, I was able to overcome that, that, those, um, those, uh, learning challenges and the same thing goes with uh my my current career you know this microbiome thing i love that stuff but my 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 little boys issues really fueled my desire to understand this on a deeper level and then you start to see not not dissimilar to those matryoshka dolls how these ideas stack up yeah. Uh, and or they're more like Venn diagrams if you know what i mean this overlapping mm-hmm. circles and yeah. so you start to see uh, these patterns emerge and, and suddenly, um, you know, the, the thing that you're learning over here connects with the thing you're learning over here. And, and, you know, maybe that's not the way everyone's brain works, but I do think that that's the way most of the entrepreneurs that I know, mm. that's the way their brains work because, um, because you're, there's no manual for this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You can read all the books you want about entrepreneurship. The truth is the only way to do it is to is to just jump in and figure out, find a problem. This is my formula. Um, find a problem and solve it. Yeah. And then solve that problem for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then go uh, do that enough times that you know that it's a repeatable outcome. And then fund it. But I usually fund my entrepreneurial efforts through my customers, believe it or not. Almost all the money I've raised to fund the creation of the Got Mold test kit and the 1-800-GOT-MOLD has actually come from the people that I've served hmm. uh, because the idea was that they want to help me serve more people. Wow. Um, and so it's very, very organic. But it came back down to, you know, f- find a problem and fix it and then and then fix that problem and then and do that on a repetitive basis <clears throat> and then fund it. Uh, and then and then learn to scale and then and surround yourself with people who sh- who share your values. Don't listen to the people who the naysayers don't hang out with losers. You know, I mean, it's they're really simple. Mm-hmm. You become who you hang around. Yeah. Um, and 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 right now with the Internet, you know, I sound like an old man when I say that, but you can you can connect with with people right now. You can go on Masterclass or any mm-hmm. of it. You can, I mean, when I was a kid, you had to physically go find people or mm-hmm. read book. I, <laughs> I used to listen to books on tape, you know, Zig Ziglar and stuff like that, yeah. literally on tape. Um, and and now you for like for free, you go on YouTube and and instead of watching garbage, you know, like mm-hmm. fail videos, you can watch, you know, Richard Branson talk about. Uh, running a business and startups and stuff like that. I mean, it's just incredible the resources, you know. Yeah. Um. So, uh. So the, 
I, I, I don't know where, where that comes from, but I do think it comes from a combination of curiosity and, and, uh, and purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I say this actually pretty often as, you know, one of the greatest leadership traits is authentic curiosity. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and, and for the longest time, I thought entrepreneurial, just that mindset was all about business. But what you said is, you know, and somebody brought this to light a long time ago, it's about problem solving. You know, that's what it really is. That's why we need even within the Air Force airmen to have an entrepreneurial mindset because we need to solve problems. Right. Um, it's, it's not all about just that, that, that bottom line at the other side of things. I mean, it's involved, but yeah. So I think that's a great perspective to have. percent, uh, Man, love this conversation, Jason. We got to have you on again, man, because there's so many other places I want to take this conversation. That would be such a fragmented three hour Joe Rogan episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> we went there. But um, so we talked about Got Mold a little bit, but can you talk a little bit more about what you do now and um, how do people get a hold of you if they're, you know, uh, if they want to know more about it and, you know, some of the projects you're working on? Yeah, cool. Um, so um, as you mentioned in my in the intro, uh, we have a mold inspection company called 1-800-GOT-MOLD and we do uh, uh, sick building investigations and remediation consulting. So uh, mostly referrals from doctors. Um, and that's what's kept me busy for you know a couple of decades. But uh, a, f- a number of years ago, uh, I became frustrated with the fact that most of my customers were very affluent, which is great when I'm, especially as investors, because that's, mm-hmm. like I said, where most of my capital, my expansion capital has come from. But rather, uh, I, you know, I, I was frustrated because my parents, my own parents, could not have afforded to a mold inspection through what 800 got mold. Mm. And and so you know, I, there's this World Health Organization uh, quote, which is the healthy indoor is a basic human right. And uh, and I and I and I agree with that wholeheartedly. In fact, I believe that you know healthy indoor air is should not be cost prohibitive, but yet most of the people who need need us can't afford us. And so, uh, so a few years ago, well, it's been a long time, actually, uh, I put together a dream team of scientists and engineers uh, and designers to uh, create a do-it-yourself test kit uh, that would allow uh, uh, anyone to be able to test their air for mold uh, for a couple hundred bucks without having to deal with conflicts of interest from, you know, inspectors that also do remediation and trying to schedule appointments or even just trying to find a qualified person is difficult. Um, and so, uh, that's, uh, the got mold test kit, uh, which we, uh, which we just launched in March actually. Um, and by the way, in terms of persistence, I, I, that concept began 15 years ago. Mm. It took me four years for the last four and a half years of really concerted effort. Um, and sobriety, by the way, because I quit mm. drinking four and a half years ago to to get this thing on the market. Uh, it's been a huge, huge, huge lift. I mean, I've got two babies. I actually have a third. You know, I got two little boys, and I've got this 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 baby I just gave birth to mm. after fifteen years. You know, <laughs> it's the longest gestation mm. in history. <laughs> um, and uh, and so we're we're really excited about that. And 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 we're we're also working with a bunch of. Um, uh, military affiliated organizations, including the armed forces housing advocates um, who help people that are dealing with construction related issues, including mold families that are dealing with the military housing, the privatized military housing, which is notoriously moldy. Um, And uh, so we've got a relationship with them, which is which is wonderful. We love those people over there. They're doing great work. Also, Hunter Seven Foundation, which works with uh, um, uh, vets 
and uh, enlisted men and women that are having uh, health-related issues due to toxic exposures of any sort or kind. Mm. Um, so we're just working on partnering with groups that already are serving people beautifully to give them the tools that they need to be able to serve them better. Um, and uh, and so, but we're we're also uh, uh, working with a lot of physicians. Uh, uh, we're doing a bunch of conf- bunch of medical conferences to to really be the sort of go to test solution for doctors all across the country. Uh, so the idea is really uh, that we kind of learned what we needed to learn through the inspection side of business and and had a great time helping people and family at one family at a time, uh, and then figured out where we could have our greatest impact. Uh, and then turned basically what I wanted to do was essentially put myself out of business, really, mm. you know, just to, to, scale, to create something where we could have a large impact, but be able to touch the people who we really, truly couldn't serve. All the renters that can't afford a professional inspection aren't even allowed right. to bring in a professional. Um, and so that's really what the Gottmold Test Kit's all about. Wow. Um, so uh, for any of your uh, listeners who want to learn more about that, uh, we put a, a welcome page together uh, for uh, for you specifically at gotmold.com slash llama leadership, L-L-A-M-A uh, leadership. Um, and uh, if you go there, you'll see that uh, there's a, a free ebook that uh, that we get a lot of positive feedback about. It's got uh, inspection checklists and FAQs and anyone who's curious about whether they have, may have a mold problem, this will help navigate you through you know, uh, the initial steps and questions. Uh, and then there's also a coupon code there uh, for anybody who's interested in, a, in getting a test kit that's a 10% off and it's a coupon code LAMA10 hmm. um, as, uh, as a thank you for uh, anyone who's, who's uh, sat here and listened to, to uh, our conversation today. That that's amazing, man. You know, and we'll definitely link all those, and we're going to promote um the, those just opportunities that you've granted us. And I just think it's just just fantastic what you're doing, man. Because I, you know, we'll go from the beginning talking about the gut biome and the and then the biome of the home and all the things that you can. Why would you not? You know, it's an affordable test. Um, imagine it's pretty easy to do, and, and and go ahead and do it just to check. Because if you're not doing it what are you, you know, uh, subjecting yourself to that you don't even know? And maybe you're causing a lot of the health issues that you think is something else, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to that. So really appreciate what you're doing and, um, and really in your support to the veteran community and your, and our active duty folks, um, just super grateful for you. Thank you so much. That's my pleasure. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. So, Hey, Great conversation. Like I said, we got to have you on again because I want to go into so many more places with this. But uh, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, man, this would be great. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit uh, Macarena up right after this to <laughs> schedule the next one. Perfect. <laughs> but um, but can't let you go without hitting you with what we call the life learning leadership rapid fire. And it's I don't know why we call it rapid fire still because it's not really rapid. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna hit you with four questions, and it's really however you want you interpret the question, however you want to answer it. Sound good? Yes. All right. Here's the first question. What is something that you recently learned that you didn't know before? That's a really good question. Okay. So one of the things that I've learned recently Mm -hmm. is that when it comes to being a parent, Mm. I used to think that before I had kids that I was going to create these great children, Mm. that I was going to mold them into something that was going to be reflective of me. You know, or like, so, or they're going to be better than me, or some, some, it always had to do with me. And what I have learned is that my job is not to mold them at all. Hmm. Uh, my job is to expose them to different experiences and to get out of the way hmm. and just to love them. And, and that's a profound difference 
between yeah. my active intention of creating them. I already, mm-hmm. I was, I, I contributed in in the way that I could, right. in the way I did, mm-hmm. but I'm not creating my children so, as, so much as I am supporting their unfoldment. Mm. Yeah, uh, and that's that's been a a profound awareness for me. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a parent, but I've seen a lot of um. A lot of times, you know, what you just discovered, a lot of parents don't discover that at all, right? So <laughs> I was I was actually reading a book called uh, The Secret to Navigating Life Storms with Terry Lyles. And Dr. Terry Lyles was saying that, um, you know, his son has a, uh, his son had a, a learning disability. So he has a lot of issues and sometimes uh, outbursts. He realized that he was embarrassed himself. The son didn't have any issues with the way he is, right? So when he had that moment, he realized he needed to get out of the way and stop letting his ego project onto his son, right? And I was like, that's a profound moment like that you really think about. And it's not just like if you're parenting too, like if you're supervising leading airmen or or soldiers or whatever, because you you feel like you have that parental role. It's like, you don't have to project who you are onto them, right? So I I think that's, that's very profound. Awesome. Yeah, in terms of leadership, you know, that 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 has been um really helpful for me this recent awakening in terms of me being a better employer, mm-hmm. um, a better leader. To be a good father or to be a good parent is to be a good leader. Yeah. Um and and I think a lot of that has to do with letting go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and allowing people to fail mm-hmm. the way I was allowed to fail. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not fun, you don't want you don't want the people to fail around you. But those only one way they learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's something about that. Like people who came through hard times and then uh, they they made something of themselves. A lot of times they have children. You see famous people who have children. They're not like nothing like to the level they are because they probably taken care of them too much. You know. <laughs> Indeed, that's my yeah. biggest one of my one of my one of my fears. You yeah, know? So. I bet. <laughs> All right. Question number two. If you could only do one specific workout, like a particular lift or a movement, you're only allowed one for the rest of your life. You're not allowed to do anything else besides that. What would it be? Walking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, walking, because first of all, to be able to be in motion, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any more natural movement. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that in, you know, depending upon where you are, whether it's you want to, you know, if you're really challenged and you stay flat or you can, mm-hmm. you know climb Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would, I would say walking and you can make it as challenging as you want. Uh, you can turn it into a meditation. Mm-hmm. Walking meditations are very powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would have to say walking. Awesome. All right. Third question. What is a recent book article or podcast that you've recently listened to or consumed that you got value out of? Hmm. I'm right now reading another one of Ed Yong's books. Okay. It's called An Immense World. Mm. And it's an amazing book, as all Ed Young's books are. And it's about animal senses. When I began doing inspections, mold inspections, it's a, another podcast probably, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we pioneered the use of mold detection dogs, uh, mm. mold sniffing dogs. Um, it's really what made, what, what made our name. And, uh, and, I, and I realized 
that dogs have this incredible sense of smell, which we, when our sense of smell is very limited and also the, the incredible sense of hearing. And I was using infrared thermal imaging cameras and you can see the, you know, see, see spectrums of light that, that we can't see with the naked eye. And I started realizing that, boy, you know, human senses, we only have this very narrow experience that we call reality. We can only see a band of light, a very narrow band of light, like 1% of the available light. Uh, and, and hearing same kind of thing. We hear only a very narrow range sense of smell and, and, uh, you know, so, so what we call reality is really these filters, these really narrow filters. And Ed Young goes into just glorious detail about all of the animal senses mm. and, and really what this world is about. If we actually experienced all of that, we'd be so overwhelmed. I mean, mm. it's just, it's yeah. amazing. And he takes you down <clears throat> that path in such an elegant, elegant way. Uh, so anybody who's willing to question reality Mm. Uh, and expand their concept of what it is to see or hear or feel or taste or smell. Um, it, it, that that would be a, a book that will, will will could change your world. Yeah, awesome. We'll make sure we get that one added to the the show notes as well. All right. The final... Hopefully selling some Ed Young books here. I should, yeah, I, should no, right? I should give him a call and let him know I'm selling yep. your books, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. This is the deep question of the day. At the Lama Lounge, we're all about life learning and leadership. So how do you find your harmony between life learning and leadership? Mm, good question. Silence. Mm. Silence helps a lot. I'm an avid meditator. Mm. Took me a long time to get um, comfortable to just sit. But I'll, I'll often just right before a podcast or right before work is over and I'm about to go out and, and, and play with the kids, I'll sit five or 10 minutes. Um, and it re, it, it I, I think about meditation, like there's this river of stuff coming, coming down. This is life, right? Your emails and your voicemails and your tasks and your worries and your fears and your anxieties and your enthusiasm, all this stuff. It's a river and it's flowing so fast and it's filled with mud. There's all this silt and stuff. And so you, you can't see through, you can't see through it. You see, so you take a glass of that water and you put it on the table and you just let it sit. Mm -hmm. And then the silt settles out, you know? And then you can see through, you can get the clarity that you need uh, to be able to navigate the life learning and leadership, right? So, and to, to be able to silence all the, 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 these, these nesting voices uh, that mm -hmm. pop up inside of us so that I, I can make sense of what my priorities are. Mm. Um, and, and these things, again, goes back to that quiet voice until you can separate out your ego's voice from the quiet voice the really quiet voice um you'll be driven by that ego and all the fears and concerns and 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 uh, desires and things that that uh, that drive most of us crazy um but in the silence allowing the silt to settle allowing the the water of your the water the river of your mind to clarify um the integration of life you know learning and leadership all come together mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just fantastic answer, man. Bro, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a great journey uh, going through your just amazing story and, uh, and really just saying, you know, hearing about all the great things you're doing now too, for, for everybody out there. I'm grateful for this connection and look forward to one day having you back on soon. You know, like, like I said, there's so many other ways we can go on with this conversation. I would love that. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah. Thank you again. And thank you to all our listeners. Um, and a huge shout out to our sponsor, Blazing Star Barbecue. Mike Starr's out there working hard, veteran-owned business. Bring in the flavors from his world travels to your backyard. Check them out, blazingstarbarbecue.com. And until next time, be safe, stay healthy. Llama's out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.